My body doesn't look like the other girls I see on the internet. The ones whose hair falls perfectly around their face and shoulders, with skin that looks like it's never seen a pimple, makeup that looks professionally done. My thoughts feel chaotic and heavy. I hate the rolls on my stomach, the stretch marks on my butt, the cellulite on my thighs. I wonder how much she eats in a day. What does she do for a workout? What can I do to get a body like hers? Maybe I just won't eat today. I have to work out. I feel so gross. It feels like nothing can break me from doom scrolling. But then my phone flashes that inevitable 10% battery warning. It dies, and I'm forced to look up. I'm sitting at a coffee shop, and I see this girl standing in line. Her hair is messy and hasn't been washed in a few days, like mine. The girl behind her isn't wearing makeup. She has redness and blemishes on her skin, like mine. Someone across from me is sitting with rounded shoulders, like mine. A person runs past the window, their arms, legs, stomach jiggling, the way mine does. I scan the room. No one looks like the people on the internet. I don't see perfectly toned bodies in Instagram models. I see people. In a weird way, it feels like the first time I notice, round faces, soft tummies, wrinkles, stretch marks, cellulite, fat, thin, short, tall. I think, how boring would it be if we all looked the same? Maybe it's okay if I don't look like those girls on the internet. Does anyone? Hey there, welcome to Hangry Thoughts, the podcast where we dish out on the best bites on intuitive eating, nurture a healthy relationship with food, and of course, bust some nutrition myths, because fork diet culture. I'm your host, Abby Roberts, non-diet intuitive eating dietitian and an ADHD girly, here to guide you through a joyful journey towards feeling amazing in your own skin and enjoying all foods. Join me as we navigate the world of food with a fresh perspective where guilt-free nourishment and mindful eating take center stage. Together, we'll tackle the myths that may leave you feeling a little hangry or hungry for the real facts. So grab your fork, your favorite snack, and let's dive into the Hangry Thoughts podcast because it is time to embrace a vibrant, satisfying, and empowered approach to food and wellness. Welcome back to another episode of Hangry Thoughts. I wanted to start this episode off a little bit different today. Part of my New Year's resolution is to, and I say that and I this might be like my only New Year's resolution, um, is to like tap into the things that make me feel good, like things that I used to really love growing up. And then as I've got out of school, gotten into my career and just gotten into like the busyness that's being an adult in this day and age, uh, they just kind of like fallen to the side. I've just kind of like forgotten about them. And that's kind of something that I talk about a lot with my clients, especially in the area of movement. I like to go back to like, okay, if we are not feeling safe in exercise or we're struggling with over-exercise, um, we're struggling with that need to constantly exercise or burn off calories, what are other ways that we can look at it? And I like to term it more so as movement because I feel like movement is something that feels a little bit more flexible. When I think of movement, I think of doing chores around the house, uh, playing with the cats, going on like a little light walk, um, maybe going for like a, a coffee chat and like a little stroll with a friend, walking the dog, um, stretching, yoga, dance. 
And then when I think of exercise, I think of like really strict planned out movements, like going to the gym. And when we start talking about movement, I go, all right, like what about things you did as a kid for movement? Like what was fun then? Was it playing basketball, pickleball, running around on the playground, hide and seek? What was it? And we'll we'll tap into that. And that kind of becomes part of our homework for that week of, okay, I want you to do one thing that you did as a kid for fun. And it's it's really amazing how doing that can slowly shift that perspective of movement and make us look at it in this different lens. And where was I going with this? Oh, with my creative, my creative writing. So um I I've been taking taking my own advice and putting it more in this aspect of, yeah, what are those ways that I really like to be creative as a kid? Because I really did love it. I loved writing, uh, writing songs, LOL, even though I could not sing for the life of me and I would like perform them for my parents. My mom would be like, yeah, right. Um, uh, drawing, painting. Um, God, what, what else did I like love? I don't know. That's all that's coming to my mind. Oh my God. Do you guys remember I don't even know what they were called, but I can like explain it. It was it was kind of like a like a a, a wall hanging rug, I I guess. Maybe that's what it was that you would create and you would get these like little tiny pieces of yarn and you would kind of thread it through and then pull it through like this little grid and it would create like this pattern and it would like feel like a rug. It was kind of like punch needling, but it wasn't on like a fabric. It was on this like mesh grid. Oh my God. I love those. I had like a Tweety Bird rug that I made. I loved it. Um, Besides the point. So I was thinking of, okay, how could I kind of get back into writing? I want to get back into journaling because I am the best at blocking out some of my uncomfortable feelings. And so I, again, would like to take my own advice and want to get back to feeling some of the feelings. And so I was like, you know, what about writing? What about just like sitting down and creating something that like pertains to the work that I do and also the feelings that I'm feeling? And I came up with this. I came up with, I don't even know what I want to call it. Um, It doesn't really have a title. Um, I literally just put the date on top of it in which I wrote it. (laughs) Um, Is it a poem? Is it like a little short story? Is it just a... flow of thinking, flow of thoughts. I don't know, but I wanted to share that. Uh, I thought it was a little bit different to to get that message across. That being said, I wanted to tie what I wrote in with my topic for today, which is also still going to be kind of just like my thinking, my thought process. So we might kind of bounce around to different topics today. I don't have Um, any notes or a script in front of me. It's more so going to be like things that I've taken from different sessions with clients. Um, No examples of speaking with clients, no client information, nothing like that because that's confidential. You're not getting any of that. But um, I want to share like some of the things that I share with clients. And really something that I thought for today is, okay, we just finished with the holidays. It's the new year. We're hitting, we're getting hit with a lot of different weight loss and like dieting ads and things, and that fucking sucks. So, 
What is like the collective thing that we're feeling? Probably fear of waking, um, whether that is within recovery, if that's within stepping out of diet culture, or it's just like we're have that really strong desire right now to diet, that really strong desire to lose weight. And that kind of like led me to writing that little story poem thingamabobber. And then I was like, yeah, what about the rest of this topic? How can we talk about this? And I think another thing that might kind of tie in is what this is so all over the place, but I swear it ties together. I swear. <laughs> so when I was thinking about this episode today and I wrote that little short story, I was like, God, I am really scared to put this out there. What if people think that it's stupid? What if people think it's bad? What if people think I'm dumb? And then I took the biggest step back and I went, who the fuck cares? Who cares? Who cares if they think it's bad, if it's dumb, if it doesn't pertain to them, if my word choice is bad or it could have been better? I was like, they don't matter. Those people don't matter. And that's something that I've always really struggled with. And I don't know if that comes from that diagnosis of ADHD, having a late ADHD diagnosis, if that's perfectionism, maybe it's all the the above. Um, But I know that like my last episode talking about perfectionism, that was one of the big things was, yeah, I was really down and hard on myself in sports. And a lot of that was coming from, well, if I don't hit this time, if I don't score these amount of points, if I don't break a a PR, then I suck, that I'm bad. People are going to think that I'm a loser, that I have just been faking this whole time. And that comes up a lot, obviously, in other areas of my life. Because if you're thinking about it in one area, I mean, chances are that's kind of bleeding into other aspects. So that was a big reason why I stopped writing. I just got to that point of like, people think it's, it's bad. So why even try? What's the point? And I think 2024 is the year where I'm going to start challenging that more. I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to try. And I, I really think that that really relates to this desire to diet, desire to lose weight, change our body, and the the coinciding fear of waking and eating disorder recovery or stepping out of diets or saying like, I'm not going to diet anymore. Oh my God, what's going to happen with my body? How is it going to change? So for the rest of this episode, and I'm not guaranteeing that I'm not going to bounce around other topics, <laughs> we're going to talk about overcoming the fear of waking and eating disorder recovery, um, challenges that come with weight gain, and then practical tips for dealing with weight gain. And along with that, some of those feelings that that pop up. So I guess let's get into it. So the first thing that I want to say before we really hop in is <laughs> I say this after I've been talking for already like 11 minutes. <laughs> okay, Abby. Um, people of all sizes with different body image struggles, eating behavior struggles are going to have a different 
experience when it comes to eating disorder recovery or ditching diets and recovery from diets and diet culture. So some people might gain weight due to weight needing to be restored, meaning their weight is below a healthy range for them. It's to help maintain different hormones, whether that's fullness and satiety hormones, if that's sex hormones, um, stress uh, levels, cortisol. Um, Others may maintain or even lose weight. And in this episode and like on a podcast platform, I am not able to tell you what it's going to be like for you. And even with a lot of my clients, it's really difficult for me to be able to say what it's going to be like for them and kind of outline the path to expect because everyone's body is so unique. Everyone has such a different natural and set point range. And it also depends on the behaviors that you are struggling with and how long you've struggled with these things for. And this episode is really going to be for that person that finds that they're really struggling with the idea of weight gain in any capacity or their body changing. So I personally, when I was in the depths of my eating disorder, really cannot recall a time where I wasn't fixated on my size. Um, I don't really feel like that's shocking to myself. That really might not be shocking to you as the listener. Maybe you have a similar experience. Um, Not saying that you have to have an eating disorder to fixate on your size by any means, but it's really hard for me to think of my life without feeling like I ever... Like I, I like I didn't ever. Oh my god, I'm yawning. Ugh, don't worry, guys. You are keeping me awake. I'm just tired. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to think about a time where I didn't think about my size, and I would like to take like a big hard stop on that because I have resided for most of my life in a straight size body. Um. That to say, I've never experienced stigma for my weight, shape, or size, and I want to spend time in this episode to create that space to talk about those that do experience that and how that really impacts those fears of weight gain or body changing and how that is extremely valid. Um, It's also valid if you have resided in a straight size body and fear what it might be like um, for your body to change in any capacity. So there's multiple things that are going to be going on in this episode. And I'm going to do my best to kind of preface, you know, what I'm talking about. Um, but really I think the underlying feeling that might be going on here is maybe you're not ready to acknowledge what else you're gaining when you gain weight. And this, what I'm talking about right now is at any body size and it's okay. It's okay if you don't know what else you're gaining. When we're talking about grief, sometimes this happens when our body is changing. There is this loss that is causing distress So we might be grieving about a past body size. We might be grieving for the way that our 
our disordered eating behaviors protected us. Um, we might be grieving the way that people treated us during this time if we were receiving a lot of compliments and worried about how that might change. So we need to allow ourselves to sit in this suck, this feeling of stuck without justifying our feelings because it's okay to just have them, to feel them. It's okay to feel like this sucks. It's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel like I don't really know what to expect once my body changes. You don't need to rush into any acceptance or reframe any of these perspectives of what it means to be gaining weight during recovery, stepping out of an eating disorder, diet culture, whatever it may be. It's okay if you don't want to rush or need to rush into this acceptance because your grief is feeling too loud or if it's too scary or uncomfortable. So I think it's important that we do normalize this feeling of like sitting in the uncomfortable, sitting with the feelings that suck, sitting with those feelings that we're not liking. And it's also okay to reach out to ask for help when that's coming up. That's also okay. I think sometimes when I'm talking with clients too, this feeling comes up of like, I'm also grieving the loss of my friends. Maybe it's my friends that are really deep in diet culture and they don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Maybe it's my friends that really created a lot of this like distress because of the way that they were talking about their body or the way that I felt like they were they were implementing something about me and what my body was. And when we're looking at stepping out of disordered eating behaviors, I think we forget how to see food as neutral and nourishing because we have two main associations with it typically to restrict to the point of starvation or semi-starvation or to devour everything in sight. And this fear comes up of how, after all of these years of living in a certain way, can I return to eating normally and overcome my deep-rooted fear of weight gain? When a client asks me this, I most of the time say stop or pause and go, what is eating normally to you? Because the word normal is something that we throw around a lot and it is actually very different for every single person. My way of normal eating is going to look very different from yours or my clients or my moms, my friends, my boyfriends. Normal eating can be eating till we're full or satisfied. It can be eating out of a hunger response. Normal eating can also be eating to cope with emotions. Normal eating can be eating because we're bored, eating because the food looks good, eating because, just because. If this question resonates with you, whether you're a chronic dieter or someone that's struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating, you're not alone in this and your fears are so valid to ask, what is this going to look like for me? When I step into ditching diet culture, into recovery, what is going to change? And I hear you. 
So let's look into some of the ways that we can create space to feel this feeling. Going back to grief, grieving your body. We're taking time to reflect on the things of when your body was underfed or inadequately nourished, or when the stress of food and body image was undeniably tough. It can be really cathartic to sit in this, especially if you're working with an eating disorder informed dietitian or therapist. What did the eating disorder bring, diet culture bring? Did restriction of food make you feel more in control? Has overeating, binging, purging helped save as a coping, help serve as a coping mechanism, safety, control, escape? Did you have compliments? How did those feel? It's okay to express sorrow for the body that you see in any mistreatment that it's endured. For many of us, our experiences within our eating disorder, disorder eating, or dieting for weight loss has served as this kind of barrier, this safety mechanism to any unwanted comments. Or if there are comments that come like, you know, about body weight, shape, or size, it's like, oh, well, at least they're dieting. At least they're trying to lose weight. And that is harmful. Those comments are harmful. It doesn't take away from that fact. But what can we do for you to create that space away from those comments? Maybe, you know, we've talked about how to set boundaries, but other than that, what can we do for ourselves? And one of those things is embracing that discomfort. So when working with a dietitian who I strongly recommend if you are struggling with an eating disorder or chronic dieting for weight loss is how to reintroduce any fear foods um, or increasing food intake because it can really provoke emotional and physical discomfort. What we do as dietitians, and I'm going to speak from like my personal experience as a provider at Nina Sorter's Dietitian, how I work with my clients, is I'm going to meet you where you're at. I am not going to push you further than you are feeling safe with because I think that this process, and I, let me take that back. I know that this process is so unique and individualized from person to person. And there is a lot of vulnerability that comes into this work. And so uh, that's partially why I prioritize transparency as a provider and explaining the why behind everything that we're doing. But it's also looking at you as the client, as a human, and going, hey, if you are not feeling safe with this, if you are feeling outside of your comfort zone, let's talk about that because that makes sense. That is valid. I get it. And if I don't get it, I'm going to listen to you to understand Because at the end of the day, your lived experience, thoughts, and feelings are truly what matter in this work, and you still have full autonomy within this space, even despite what diet culture is saying. When we are looking at this discomfort versus comfortability versus safety, 
this can really help us to embrace some more of that discomfort for why it's there, what we're feeling, and build more trust within our body. And that takes a lot of courage. And sometimes what we need to do that is someone in our corner, whether that's a provider, friend, or family member that we trust. Sometimes I work with clients to look at these things of like, what are these qualities that we admire in ourselves other than appearance? Are there people in our life too that we admire other than for their appearance? Do we like our friends for just their body or their way of eating or do we like them for other things? Are we friends with this person because of their humor, because of the way that they treat other people, because they're super smart, they're really talented, because we just like to party with them, because they're a good time? Like what, what are the reasons we're friends with the people in our lives or we have relationships with the people that are in our lives? And I'm going to venture to guess it's not because of their body. And I want to take a real long pause there because when you think about being people being friends with you, do you think they're only friends with you because of your body? Chances are you might be saying yes. You might be saying no. But I'd be curious to see what else is behind that. Why do you feel like they're only friends with you? Because of your body. Why do you feel like they're not friends with you? Because of your body. What are the other things that you offer? Because I guarantee there are things that you bring to the table. And I also guarantee that if you're friends with someone just because of their body or someone's just friends with you because of your body, that that is a dull friendship. And there's a one-way street happening within that friendship. And there's not a whole lot else that fills your cup with it. And I'll share a little bit of like a a personal experience here of when I was healing from my eating disorder and even when I was, I was like, I, I'm done with dieting. It fucking sucks. Like I, I, I need more space and, and things in my head that aren't related to food and body image. Like it's just, it is all consuming and I need a fucking break. I started to realize it's so boring to be always thinking about food and body image and boring in the sense of like, I'm exhausted. I haven't had time to think about other things, to put my energy or focus into other things because it was being sucked away from with food, dieting, and body image. And so then I started to think about some of those friendships that I had and I went, oh my God, like, I'm actually feeling that in some of these friendships too, where all we talk about is food, diet, and exercise, or our conversations always circle back around to that, or it's always one of us comforting the other person of, oh, you're not fat, or oh, like you look great, why would you say that? It's like, can we do something else that feels more productive and helpful why is, why are we feeling like fat is a bad thing? Why don't we talk about that? And a lot of the times when we're stepping out of diet culture or we're looking at our body image in particular, we have this feeling that we need to always be positive and love our body 24-7. And I'm here to say that that is unrealistic. 
Sure, there are some people in our lives that might be feeling that way, but I guarantee there are some other things going on behind the scenes. So instead, maybe we aim for body neutrality or body acceptance. Now, uh, either one or both might resonate with you in different ways. And that is why I want to share all of them and put them all out on the table for you. So you can look at it and go, okay, yeah, like I feel like I have aspects of this that are really helpful and aspects of this that feel really safe and affirming. And so within body neutrality, this this is saying that we're not loving or hating our body. It's more of just kind of, it is what it is. This is what I got. Body acceptance is maybe we're accepting our body for the different things it does for us. Or we're accepting our body for the way that it is in this moment. It's still not really loving or hating our body, but it's more so coming to the terms with like, wow, my body helps me to walk because my two legs work pretty damn well. Maybe it's my arms are really strong or my arms allow me to hug people that I love. Um, It's looking at our body in these different perspectives. And so one way that we might kind of do a little exercise around this is looking at our body for all the things that it does related to health, like fighting disease, digesting food, senses and sensations, seeing, feeling pleasure, physical activity and movement, relationships, so like having a meaningful conversation with someone, self-care, so if that's taking a shower, preparing a meal, doing our skincare, if that's creativity. So maybe this is something that we just kind of have in the back of our mind to help kind of challenge ourselves, provide a new perspective. Maybe we do a little gratitude journal, bullet journal situation, write down some of these things to help foster neutrality or acceptance. The other one that I really encourage people to do is to let go of the scale or to let go of any of those tracking apps that are providing more distress than comfort. And I think this is an extra tough one. If you've ever relied on the scale or an app to quote unquote keep you in check, The thought of letting it go entirely can seem petrifying because like so many habits or conditioned things that we have and experience, we haven't stopped to think through all of the ways that maybe it's harmed us or it's heightened our fear of things changing, whether that is our weight, our way of eating, the way people are talking to us, treating us, and so on. And so I want to just provide you three maybe tough love things about the scale in particular. So regardless of whatever the number is that you see on that scale, it is still perpetuating this connection between our worth and our weight. And I see this come up a lot in the doctor's office where, you know, we go in for literally whatever reason possible that is not related to our weight, shape, or size. And if our weight is something along the BMI scale that is not quote unquote normal, the doctor is going to talk about it, especially for someone that is in a larger body size. And hats off to the doctors that do not comment on these things because they realize that weight is such a minuscule or um, irrelevant factor within health. Um, But the doctors that do make comments on it, um, I see you. 
I, I see you in the sense of like, uh, I do not like what you're doing. I do not appreciate what you're doing. And it is not helpful to the person in the doctor's office. The second one of it makes it nearly impossible to grow comfortable in an adequately nourished body. Whether we've gained weight or not in this process, and escaping the diet mentality or disorderly behaviors. Because again, we're starting to go to that spot of what does it mean if my body weighs a certain amount, is a certain number, but I'm eating X amount? Maybe those thoughts of like, self-control, self-discipline kind of come in and we start to feel like, well, I need to have those things. And the other one of it robs us that ability to see ourselves more than a body because we're constantly tying the behaviors that we're doing back to our weight, back to that number on the scale. And so if getting rid of the scale feels like a lot at first, and for many of us it does, maybe we start by just stowing it away somewhere where maybe we don't have like easy access to it. So I've had some clients that shove it in the back of their closet, shove it under boxes, that put it in like a out of reach spot. I've even had a client that put it in like the trunk of their car or the back of their closet. So doing it with things that you're like, this is creating more distress than good. So maybe that's also like clothing items that we keep on hand to gauge our weight until we're willing to completely part ways with them. Or it's clothing that we're like, oh, if I just lost five pounds, it would fit great. Or um, these are the pants that I wear when my body changes in whatever shape or form. And if seeing that clothing in our closet is providing more distress, maybe we again hide it, get it out of sight. I've also had clients put it in like a reusable bag or something and then kind of like shove that to the back of their closet, almost kind of like a little donation pile. Um, Or if it's just like, yeah, whenever I see these clothes, I don't feel good, but I'm not ready to part ways with them. This next part of the podcast, I want to discuss the ways that we can challenge our assumptions about weight gain and fat, because a lot of the times we have this idea of what it means to have fat, gain fat, gain weight, our body to change in relation to our health, the way other people's other people perceive us, um, our experiences at the doctor's office, our friends, family, what they're going to think, and so on. So I'm going to share some examples of things that we might be saying to ourselves about weight gain or fat, and then some ways that we can challenge that. So the first one being, you will be less special if you gain weight. Now to challenge this, there are so many other non-appearance related qualities that make me me, and I'm going to focus on these. Another way to challenge it is asking ourselves, why am I going to be less special if I gain weight? Who said I'm going to be less special? How can I sit in that uncomfortable notion? The next question or, or the next statement, people are going to look at me differently if I gain weight. Challenging that by saying, are they? If they do, it's like because they're happy to see me investing in my health and how that looks for me. Also, I'm sure most people aren't as hyper-focused on my body as I am and won't even notice my weight change. If they're so focused on my body, then they have their own food and body issues to work through. And I want to take the biggest step back there and say, I have never remembered a person's body that I have seen at a public pool. I have never remembered the way someone looked 
in the gym or in the locker room to the point where I thought about it for the rest of my day. I have never wondered if someone is wearing their belt on a looser on a looser buckle than what they were the day before, or the year before. Do you? Do you remember these things? Why are we not? And the last one that I hear commonly is my weight is going to spiral out of control. That might be related to ditching the scale, deleting the tracking apps, ditching dieting, recovery, or whatever. And so challenging that by saying, I am focused on the now. Even if I fear what my set point weight may be, even if I fear what weight gain may be or fat, I am trusting that I will feel differently about it as I engage in more healthy eating behaviors and give my brain time to adjust. And again, when I say healthy eating behaviors, that looks different from individual to individual, just as normal eating does. And my closing thoughts within all of this again ties back into why I'm so transparent with my clients in this work is going back to your why, your personal why. At the start of your journey, recovery, ditching diet culture, whatever you want to call it, towards whether food or body freedom or liberation, it's important to take some intentional time to think about or write down reasons why you want this, your personal why. Is it because you're exhausted, unhappy, feel for, fearful of losing your life? Are relationships on the line? Are you missing out on something? Are these beliefs or behaviors no longer aligning with you? Are they creating or causing more distress? Everyone's why behind this is so unique, and it's not something that I as a provider can tell you what your why is. And understanding or at least knowing your why can be really helpful in furthering this work or maybe it's understanding yourself better. It can remind us that we're not only recovering from something, but that we're recovering to so much more. We're ditching diet culturing to diet culture to get to so much more. Any weight that we gain can be a sign that we're only becoming one step closer to our why and making that a reality. So I want you to know that it's okay if you are scared of your body changing in any capacity. It's really scary to make this transition from really rigid eating behaviors to something that is more flexible or something that doesn't have rules. I mean, I myself doubted myself for a really long time and I was really scared to face this. And I can also say that it's okay, again, if your normal eating or healthy eating looks different for you. Really, at the end of the day, what matters is what parts of health are important to you, What do you feel aligned with? And again, what is your why? And how can we help get you there? I hope that this episode today was able to, if anything, provide a little bit of a different perspective in all of this, but really, again, just to say, 
If you are leaving this podcast episode with still those feelings of being uncomfortable or scared about weight or body changing, that is so valid, so valid for any reason that you're holding that and for whatever body size that you're in and reside in. Our society really likes to pit that against us and make us believe that that is a moral failing, and it is not. It is not. And I want to challenge you to think about the ways that you think about other people's bodies or don't think about other people's bodies. And why do you or don't you? In what capacity do you think about their bodies? And I want you to challenge some of those thoughts. So this podcast, the reason why I started it, like the podcast as a whole, God, I feel like this, <laughs> I've I've had to stop and restart so many of these things that I've been saying because I feel like within my brain today, I have three thoughts that are like layered all together and I'll start one, be in the middle of the thought with a different thought and then end my sentence with the third thought. <laughs> so it like doesn't make any sense when it comes out of my mouth and I replay this back. But I started this podcast because yes, I wanted to share the, the like facts on things with nutrition and movement and all of that great stuff and bust some of the myths and things that we hear on the internet. But really, I wanted this podcast to be a place where we just cut through that bullshit and get down to the feelings, get down to the experiences, get down to why you might be going through what you're going through or save the space to kind of question those beliefs and and thoughts, feelings. It's, I will say it's hard on, you know, a platform like this to reach everyone's experiences and really speak to them. And that is like my goal for this next year is to get other people on this podcast for interviews or chats to share their lived experiences and talk about the ways that this comes up for them or maybe the ways that they've seen it come up in like generic client examples because I really want to open that up and and just have this more of a space where we can chat about the real things rather than things that like diet culture wants us talking about because I'm tired of that. I'm so tired of diet culture, man. Ugh. <laughs> so that that's really all that I had on my mind for today's episode. Um, I say that and it's literally been like 40 something minutes. <laughs> that's all that I had. <laughs> um, always feel free to let me know if you guys have any other ideas or things that you want me to talk about on here. I am always open to suggestions. I'm always open for new chats. Uh, you can reach me at my email, which is in the show notes, or you can always DM me on Instagram, TikTok, any platform that you see me on. Uh, I am here to, to make these episodes cater to you guys. That, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week, and I will see you in the next episode.